Hello and welcome to Film Pulse, episode number 250. Wow. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing all right. Good. Great to hear. How's the weather there? It's pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty decent here, too. It's in the 60s. Sunny. I didn't, I didn't ask. Okay. Well, just thought of maybe you're curious about the weather. I'm kind of, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do some small talk with you. Jesus Christ. You know, it's the weekend. I'm not at work. So, you know, I get enough of that at work. People struggling to converse with you. They just, they just, they're just trying to interact with you in some way. Tr- just try to get some sort of response out of you. Yeah, and I just don't, under, like, I can't do small talk. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I can, but it always feels forced. But yeah, because it is, it's, and it's always like, most of the time it is weather. Yeah, it's always weather. That's and the they, go-to. Yeah, and they always chit-chat about it when you're outside, and it's like, yeah, I know what the weather is. I'm out here. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. Uh, Feel it. Down me. This is the world we're living in. This is the... <laughs> Look out the window. In it, right? I mean the weather. Now. We don't need to discuss it. Fair enough. This week on the show, we'll be talking about the work of Joanna Arno with reviews of I Hate Myself, Smiley Face, Bad at Dancing, Month One, and Staycation. She did not direct the last one, but she stars in it. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, along with a roundup of new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Remember, you can join in on the conversation by sending us an email, podcast at filmpulse.net, or sending us a tweet at filmpulse.net. And if you like what you hear, consider helping us out by donating to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse, just like Bedros did. Thank you so much for becoming our latest patron remember film pulse is completely viewer supported so we appreciate all the help we can get i feel like we should just dive right in i was thinking we could do the short films first and then tackle the feature doc uh, so let's do which one do you want to do first that is dancing sure Okay. I imagine we'll just end up villages all kind of bleed into each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we have to like have hard stops between each one. Uh, so bad at dancing is available right now. I want to say no budge. Is that on no budge? On no budge. It's also on Vimeo. Yeah, I think it was also one of those. Uh, I don't know if it was a Vimeo staff pick or one of those short of the week. Whatever those, I mean, there's so many. Well, for, the, for just for future reference, all of these films that we're talking about today are available on Vimeo. So you can search for all of them. They're all available on Vimeo. Uh, all of them are free except for the, uh, the doc that we'll be talking about, I Hate Myself. They're, all the rest are, are free on Vimeo right now. I don't know if they will be forever, but right now they are. I have a a plot synopsis here for Bad at Dancing. A perpetual third wheel and awkward outsider, Joanna increasingly inserts herself into the relationship of her more charismatic roommate, Isabel. The two women test each other's sexual and emotional boundaries in this surreal manifestation of jealous rivalry. I'll start this one off. Uh, uh, The film, it opens opens pretty strong. (laughs) Sex scene, right in the middle, and then... Joanna comes in while her roommate 
and her boyfriend are having sex and just just has a quick convo just a quick just wants to chit chat a little bit while they're while they're doing it and that kind of yeah. that kind of sets the stage this is an 11 minute short so pretty breezy but i found it to be really funny i like the idea of people without boundaries i like characters in movies and tv shows that seemingly are so disconnected from the world that they just have no sense of boundaries and and they're so comfortable in every situation that they can just kind of wander in and you know be okay with walking in on your roommate having sex and act like it's just a normal thing yeah she's she just strikes up a conversation right off the bat but it's all but i love that it's punctuated with her laying down beside them yeah (laughs) so yeah like it gets awkward and then it gets even more (laughs) awkward when they're having sex and she decides to lay down beside them while this is happening (laughs) and i also like how at first they stop and then they're like let's just let's just see this thing through so then they continue going even after she comes in, whereas me, I would probably freak out and yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I was I kind of what I would do. I, yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is, you're. I was just as surprised as her <clears throat> walking in and just striking up a convo and laying down, as you know, them just continuing. Like their reaction is was just as surprising, where they're just like, "Oh, hey." I think they were so shocked that it was happening that they just didn't know how to react. They were just like they were they were in shock at this. They were just frozen because they were so confused about this what was going on. But either that or the fact that Isabel the roommate, I mean, presumably they seem to be very best friends and she probably already knows that this is the type of thing that she does. So maybe she expected it. She's kind of used to it at that point, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't be able to have a roommate that had no boundaries like that. I I did live with some people that had very very thin boundaries. Like they would do things like use my my towel, and I would go in to take a shower, my towel would be gone or be soaking wet. Fuck that. You know things like that where it's just like that is not cool. Not cool. Mm-mm. I can't. I can't take any of that stuff. I need privacy. Hell yeah! I couldn't do any of that. Overall. I liked the the short quite a bit. I thought it was very funny. I think that that Joanna Arno plays a a, ver- a very funny character. She's got that that just that sullen deadpan mm-hmm. down to like when she just when they're out dancing and she just decides to sit. Yeah, <laughs> she just sits on the floor. <laughs> oh God! She almost reminds me of the uh, shoot. I can't remember her name, but she's the 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 one character in Baskets. With the the broken arm, the perpetually broken arm, she just sort of reminds me of that with that kind of deadpan humor mm-hmm. that uh, I appreciate so much. Yeah, she does do a fantastic job of that deadpan humor. But I also I also thought it was kind of interesting uh, Isabel's character, where she's just she's kind of like a like a best friend superhero. Yeah, because she just she's just she rolls her, with her. Yeah, undivided attention, even though you know. She's got other things going on, obviously. Right. She has her own life. She has her own individuality. But then you have Joanna Arno, who seems to be lost in the world, trying to live vicariously through her roommate. But her roommate is still supporting of her and willing to sit down and sing a song and be be her best friend. Yeah, you just need to get together and lay out those boundaries, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, like, like any good friendship, to... you know, there's there's some there's some work involved just, with it. You just gotta set them up, you know. There's, you gotta what's on, you know, in limits, what's off limits, that type of thing. Uh, I mean, my first thought was, yeah, I mean, you have a door, so you, you step one, you already have that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. like you have to have a door installed. I can understand if you don't have a door and you need to have a door installed because, yeah. You would kind of procrastinate getting around to that because there's money involved and all that, but you have the door. Right. So it's a matter of just shutting that door, I think, at this point. Or locking, and, shutting and locking, yeah. you know. Shutting and locking. You don't even I, have to lock. I, 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 you could just put something in front of the door and then just slap your hands together. You're done. Judging by the actions that she takes in this short, I would say that she probably, a closed door probably means very little to her. So I'd say you probably need to lock it yeah i think you just gotta put something yeah because it doesn't seem like she has a a lot of energy to her so just just you just kind of put one obstacle in the way she would just give up i think she would just end up sitting on the floor she would just wait patiently probably eating her gross oatmeal or whatever the hell that was that was the that was the other thing like they were having sex and she was eating while they were doing it but the sounds like the mouth sounds well it's that it's that um stirring of that stuff which is yeah which is like the worst it's like the sliminess of it yeah stirring very viscous yeah stirring oatmeal stirring like mac and cheese any type of pasta really just sounds awful it might be one of the worst sounds well especially when it's juxtaposed to people having sex because then you're just like you're you're attributing you're 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 uh combining the two and you're just like oh god like ew (laughs) no thank you no, thank you, please. Uh, <clears throat> Overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty funny. I enjoyed it as well. Now let's uh, let's talk about. We're not going to give these scores. I don't think we need to give them scores. No, nah, we don't need to be doing no scores. Let's talk about Staycation. The Staycation was it was not directed by Joanna Arno, but it does star her. This was written and directed by Zach Fleming. Uh, there's a synopsis here. Welcome to 179 Sullivan Street. Please treat the apartment with care and leave it as you found it. No smoking, no pets, and no additional visitors without prior permission. I like this one. I like the premise of this one a lot, uh, where Joanna Arno plays a ghost. And I like that Robert Malone's character's name is Sad Guy, because he's just a sad guy. Yeah, he is. So basically, the setup, the setup for this one, this is a 13-minute short. Uh, he, This guy who was dumped he previously had a, a vacation planned at this i guess it's like sort of um just like a, a little cabin or a um not cabin no, it's, it's a, like it's, a little it's, an, it's, a, it's an airbnb is that what it is yeah got that airbnb thing going on i didn't know if it was like an actual like rental unit or like an airbnb situation either way they had it booked already so he decides to go sort of like uh that movie joshy that came out last year where he decides to go despite no longer being together with the person. And mm. basically it's just him being depressed, moping around the, the house while Joanna Arno kind of just watches him, observes him, and then occasionally gets her throat slit and bleeds yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Which the first time that that happens. It was uh, awesome. <laughs> first of all, I was like, holy shit, that's, that's pretty cool. It looks good too. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't mean the, the act of... You know, someone dying is cool. I, the effect. <laughs> just, 
Yes, I love when people get murdered on screen. It's just you watching movies. And then when finally someone dies, you're like, yes, thank yeah. God. I'm, I'm fist pumping in the air. I'm cheering. About fucking time someone dies. No, I was referring to the effect. It was a cool, it was a cool looking effect. Which even like, because when I, uh, on no budge, you know, the, the, uh, the still that, that's underneath like the play button is her standing there with blood coming out of her throat while he's just like sitting and reading a hardback book. So I know it's going to happen, but even when it, you know, when it first appears, it was still, it still caught me kind of off guard because I didn't expect it to happen in that way. Yeah. And the, uh, the sound on it, how you can just hear it splashing on the floor. And she just walks, she just (laughs) wanders around. Yeah. Uh, So what'd you think of this one? I, I enjoyed this one too. Uh, the only thing about uh, the only thing about this one that it's kind of I feel like once that happened, it was kind of like all right, we're at the end. But then the film continues to go. Yeah, that wasn't just, even close to the end. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like I I think we're done, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> like we discussed everything that needs to be discussed. I would imagine. Well, there was yeah. the whole stealing of the pen thing. Her her taking the pen. Yeah. Which I wasn't really quite sure about because he finds she takes the pen and puts it in the box and then he goes and pulls it out. But then she ends up with it again at the end. Like, how did yeah, she? Yeah, but he left, he left it in there. I think he put it back. Oh, he did. He, he put it back. Okay. Because I saw him take it out, but I guess, okay. And I think that was, I think he was like, okay, I'll just keep it in the box. A little memento. Yeah. Ghost key is just collecting mementos. The, the Tamagotchi and other little knickknacks in there. Yeah, which how long has she been haunting that place for? Since the nineties. <laughs> Damn, it's a cool little premise for a movie. I like, I liked it. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, I mean, you know, it was interesting enough. Yeah, and then this one is also, like I said, available for free on Vimeo. It's just uh, you can just do a search for um, staycation. It's it's one of the very first ones that that pops up. So yeah, yeah. it's it's like thirteen minutes. So it's you know you got some extra time. Looking to kill, just yeah, give, I mean, give it a look. And I think that the other thing that, that a lot of these shorts and and most uh, short films these days do is they act as sort of a um, almost like a demo reel for the director. Like if you like this movie, maybe keep an eye on this guy. Well, and <clears throat> I think with this one, you have you have a good premise, but it's also one of those premises that is kind of perhaps limited in what you can do. Like, I don't know how much more you could take this with her just kind of like wandering around. I mean, you probably, probably work it out to a little bit longer, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I I feel like you could, you could even develop this into a feature if you put together some sort of deeper plot with it, you know, like develop her, her backstory and have her like interacting with multiple guests as they come in. Each of those guests have their own separate story. As, and she watches and learns about each of these other characters that are coming into her life. And while that's happening, we start to learn more about her story, what happened to her, how she was killed, you know, the, the circumstances of her death. I think you could, I think there's something yeah. there with that. Probably. I don't know. It was, enjoy- it was an enjoyable, like 12 minutes, 13 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, what about month one? This was the, I think it was the first short film that she did interestingly uh rumor was the 
were the people that put this out. Rumor, if you aren't familiar, they did that Who Took Johnny documentary. I actually met one of the owners of Rumor fairly recently. Really, really cool guy. They do they do some really interesting things at that company. I'd say to keep an eye keep an eye on them. They are working on a sequel to Who Took Johnny too. I hope that that's not something that was supposed to be kept under wraps, but he didn't say that, so I'm saying it. <laughs> it's, it's it. Well, this one is one of those. Uh, well, uh, there was two two other directors, right, on this one. Yeah, I think so. Sukihali and Michael Galinsky. So this is just like a short documentary of the Occupy Wall Street movement, which I gotta say it, it it's interesting more so now watching it than it, you know this came out in 2011, you know around the time of Occupy Wall Street, which right. I would think at that point in time it would just be kind of like a oh okay, it's a short like a news package. like a newsreel more than anything. Yeah, it's just kind of like a montage of couple, you know day one, day two, da 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 da. And like, okay, interesting enough. But I think it's far more interesting watching it now, now that you're so far removed from it. And it's yeah. just kind of struck by, you know, the Michael Moore scene where he's like, a hundred years from now, people are going to know. It's like, no, they're not. Yeah. Everyone kind of forgot about you already. We all forgot about Occupy Wall Street. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think I predicted that that was going to be the case when Occupy Wall Street is the the problem with Occupy Wall Street was that they didn't have a big enough stance. Like they didn't they didn't the 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 reason behind it was not really it was too broad. Like th- there needed to be point to all of this and a goal. And I th- I feel like the the goal was just way too general for for it to really carry any yeah. weight. Plus and plus it, with if you're looking to do something that big like what Occupy Wall Street was was trying to aim for, uh, they they gave up way too easily. Like they moved on. Like Black Lives Matter kind of took over that. Yeah, and they've and well, it, they've maintained theirs because I think they have their goal was a little more. Well, exactly. Right? I mean that that's the thing. Like Black Lives <laughs> Matter held a lot more weight, and they yeah. they didn't they didn't just kind of lose interest after two weeks. You know. Well, yeah, and you know Occupy Wall Street. Well, and I mean that's. That's Black Lives. That you know, you kind of don't lose interest in that. But with, exactly. the, with the Occupy Wall Street, you're like, Wall Street's bad, and it's like, yeah. So what's your alternative? Like, exactly. Like, our entire country's built on this. What do, you, what do you want us to do? Yeah, that's the thing. I I feel like everything about that movement was a little too loosey goosey. Now that isn't to say that I don't think that it was uh, an important moment in our recent history, but yeah, will but it, it is one of those things that kind of showcases that people can get together behind something and you know occupy space and gather and march and this and that and it's like okay now let's try and let's try and not go to the top of like big banks and capitalism is bad let's march on that let's try and do like let's work our way up to that Mm -hmm. because you can't just all gather in a park and be like wall street's bad oh okay again what do you want us to do yeah and maybe (laughs) and and, and Maybe, maybe there's something to be said about the the Occupy movement kind of reigniting the spark of um, the idea of protest, mass protest in this country. Because, I mean, then we did have Black Lives Matter. And then after Trump was elected, we have just massive, massive amounts of protests. I mean, just this past weekend, we had the huge science march. And I don't know if you saw the turnouts for that, but holy shit, there were tons, tons and tons of people. 
yeah. on this. So I think that for what it was, I feel like the Occupy movement did, I think they did some, some good in, in gathering people together and showing that, you know, we can come together and stand up for something that we all collectively believe in and try to stand up and make a difference. Because in the end, you know, we do live in a democracy. And although it may not seem like it all the time, our voices will be heard and they do matter. So in that regard, I think that the Occupy mo- movement was it was a good thing. I don't know if it did that much other than maybe laying the foundation of th- for things to come. But getting back to the documentary, I thought it was a very well put together documentary. I liked, I thought that it was edited very well yeah. in, in showing a lot of um, facets of, of the movement. I thought that it was funny, the Michael Moore thing, how they all, were all repeating after him. And I was like, guys, I don't think that this is like one of these kind of repeat after me situations. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he was just trying to make a speech and then they all just started re- mimicking his speech. And then, I, and then it got me to thinking I would love to see this happen in other scenarios, like Donald Trump making a random speech about some bullshit and just everybody in the crowd just re- re- repeating his speech as he's saying it. I would like that to happen, but in the childish way where it's repeated back to him with that like whiny voice. <laughs> <laughs> like the sarcastic yeah. or like a, I think a, like anything that Sean Spicer says in any of the pre- the White House press briefings I think that would be really funny too like if if all of the news and media outlets decided to band together and yeah. do that to Sean Spicer yeah oh my I, god that'd be amazing I think there's I think that's again that's the one good thing of Occupy Wall Street where it's like they kind of kind of realize that there is a strength in that unity it's just I don't know if they've really anyone's really harnessed that unity for anything yet and really well, you know utilized it to its full power and it, and it is disheartening too because you look at um recently there were marches on tax day it was actually a couple of days before tax day. it was the normal tax day but they extended it this year but there were those tax day marches where they were demanding that trump release his you know tax returns yeah and, that, and it did nothing like it didn't do yeah. anything and when, you, when, when something like that happens, when you have 25,000 people marching in New York City, you know, to, to Trump Tower demanding that he does this, and he's just like, fuck you, I'll do what I want. You know, it's yeah. like, it's really disheartening, but I think the important thing is that the, the marches are still happening, and I think that it's, it, it's vital that we continue to push, because if we stop pushing, then there's, there's no... There is no resistance, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I also I also find it interesting, especially with something like Occupy Wall Street, where you have the the lower working class. They can't occupy Wall Street; like they have right. to work. They need right. they need money because it, what yeah it's a capitalist society, and they need to work in order to live. So they can't join you. That's they why a lot of these these more recent marches have been they're, they're all on the weekends. Like people got to work. We we understand that. Yeah. That's just that was the I always found really interesting with the Occupy Wall Street. Where it's just like it, people can't pitch a tent in your in the park. Like they have yeah, to. Work. I think I think that one argument to that would be you spend as much time there as you can, and hopefully other people will take your place when you have to leave and go to work. Yeah. You know, it's it's like what's what's happening with the uh, the um, the pipeline. You know how people come and go, but there's always a group there 
representing that. So yeah. At any rate, uh, I would I would say check out month one. It's worth a look. I think that it'll be even more interesting to co- to revisit it like a year from now and just see mm-hmm. what where it's at now that like a year after into the Trump presidency. Yeah, because we yeah we showed off those banks. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, have even more power now than they did back in twenty eleven. Yeah, you can't stop them. You're never going to stop them. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> they got too much Open going sacks. on. What, what? Got too much going on. All right, let's talk about the feature documentary. I hate myself. Smiley this is face. Smiley Face. This is <laughs> Smiley Face in there. This is starring and directed by Joanna Arno. I have a synopsis here. Nebuchadnezzar filmmaker Joanna Arno documents her year-long relationship with a racially charged poet provocateur. What starts out as an uncomfortably intimate portrait of a dysfunctional relationship and protracted mid-20s adolescence quickly turns into a complex commentary on societal repression, sexuality, and self-confrontation through art. Now, uh, the one thing that I liked about this, this movie was that end part. I liked how the film starts off as a documentary about whether or not she should be dating this guy. And it was sort of about him. Like, is he worth dating? Is he a dateable yeah. person? But as the film goes on, you realize that it's not so much about him as it is, it is about her. And uh, it, it's not so much about whether or not she should be with this guy, but it's about what kind of person she has to be to want to date somebody like this guy. Because it's very quickly established that this guy is uh, pretty wretched. Yeah, 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 and I'm right there with you because I I felt the same thing. It starts out right away as kind of like this question of not not only is this guy dateable, but who who would date this man? And of course, the person that's doing that currently is her. So obviously, she starts looking into that as well. Because you're right, it is it is set up right off the bat that yeah, you shouldn't shouldn't date that guy. Yeah. That's, I mean, at least for me. That's yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, know, he case it closed. Seems, it seems like he's a pretty big piece of shit from like the onset. And I, I will say that to make a movie like this, and I, t- I totally give it to her for being extremely brave to make something so raw and introspective like that. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie like this before. That's that's kind of that real i mean it it was it was impressive that being said uh i found it almost unwatchable like i had such a hard time with this movie because the just dealing dealing with that guy and everything that was happening in it i was it was just it took everything to such high levels of uncomfortable and awkward yeah that i was just really really struggling with it and i felt like you know, this is a great, you know, if, if I'm trying to figure out myself or my relationship or something, doing it this way, like making a movie about it and then going back and watching it and analyzing it and seeing how I am in the situation like that, that'd be, that's kind of a cool experiment, but uh, to put it on display for everyone, like, I, I just, I don't know if anybody needs to see this. Like, I, it's not a movie that I could really recommend that someone yeah. watches. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting in a number of ways though. Because I mean, because I'm I'm kind of with you too. 
I, I felt much like her mother at the end when she's like, this is your private life. You shouldn't be filming this. And I was kind of, that's kind of what I was thinking too. It's like, yeah, I don't think anyone should be really filming this stuff. I mean, and if you are, maybe not share it with everyone though. Maybe you can just watch it yourself. Right. We're kind of like at the end where she watches it with James. It's like, okay, that, you know, you could watch it together and kind of discuss it afterwards. That makes a bit of sense. But the thing that does kind of interest me a little bit is, you know, how much of an effect does that camera have? Because, you know, this guy is just, he is running on attention. That is just, he is trying to mainline that shit straight into his veins. So he's got the camera on him. So how much of that is an exaggeration of him where he's, you know, he's finally got the camera on him. So is he playing it up a little bit? And then even at her at one point is because she's talking to her friend or whatever about, you know, why would you like to be with this guy or what do you see in him and stuff? And she kind of points out that she finds him like compelling and charismatic. And she, she kind of, in a sense, wants to be a performer too. So is there a certain point in time in the film where she kind of starts playing the role of his, you know, kind of becomes a performer herself? Because at the beginning, she's pretty, she's like, she's kind of says she's like a wallflower. Mm-hmm. And then like halfway through or so, you, you see where she kind of starts taking over a little bit. Right. And I think that that's, it's at that point where the sort of conversion happens between the film being about the boyfriend in and switches to being about her and her how she's feeling during this this whole process and what what she's going through and all of that stuff too and i I thought about that as well uh the fact that there is constantly a camera there and i'm sure that you know this movie is just under an hour and i'm sure that she's filmed been filming for hours and hours like every day for the good part of a year probably so she's probably constantly filming uh, I'd like to think, I mean, it seems to me, and I, and I bet if you, what's the boyfriend's name? Josh? James. James. And it was a J. I bet if you asked James, he would probably say that he was not hamming it up for the camera. And that, oh, that's yeah. just, that's just his Well, and that's the thing. Personality. You, you, you don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Once you, once you insert a camera into the situation, you have no idea what that situation would exist without the camera. There's no way to have two situations simultaneously one with a camera one without a camera to be able to you know look at the difference between the two i'd like to think though that if you had the camera on almost constantly like from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed that camera is poised at you after a certain period of time you would just start acting naturally like you would just kind of accept it as a part of your life and just be yourself because i I never I never got any kind of big impressions that they were putting on a show for the camera, except for when James was obviously putting on a show for the camera, <laughs> like, you know, in his little, yeah. whatever the fuck that place was, the juice, juice bar thing that he had with his open mic. Hosting the old open mic night at the juice bar, which wasn't, it just looked like. It looked like a fucking storage locker. It, <laughs> Like, and also, and also, like where he was living, I was like, is that is that like an actual apartment, or is he just like squatting in a house that's set to be torn down? I mean, it was like, yeah, this it was is a really it was a rough looking it, house. But it was interesting because of the when you first meet him at his house, they're outside, and I was like, oh, they got like they got a pretty nice place. That's like a it's an all right backyard. Yeah, 
And then when they show the inside house, it's like, oh, okay, no, it's not. It's the, it's the opposite. Okay. I think that's how a lot, of, a lot of places are in New York. Looks can be very deceiving. You have a nice backyard and you're in the inside of your place looks like a dump or the inside's nice and you either have no backyard or it's really bad. It's like yeah. a junkyard. Yeah, I think, you know, when I first went to your first place, I wasn't prepared for that. Because I knew, you know, you were kind of telling me like, ah, oh, it's like a studio apartment. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I walk in, I'm like, oh, it's like as big as my bedroom. Yeah, it's it's a it was a room. It's <laughs> like, wow, okay. I mean, it's... I knew it was going to be small, but. Yep. Yep. Thought it'd be a little more. That's what it's like. (laughs) That's what it's like. But uh, yeah, I I just I I really I really like what she was doing here, and I thought that it was interesting and compelling in a lot of ways. I thought that it was a very engaging film, but at the same time, I couldn't stand any of it as I was watching it. Like it just put the baddest taste in my mouth. Like, well, especially him. I yeah, mean, it was just, he's so gross, and I just had a really hard time watching it. Yeah, and I I don't know. This is like, right off the bat, I'm just kind of like, uh, are they, like, New Yorkers are just weird, huh? <laughs> okay, like, <laughs> yeah. just like, because he's so, like, well, I don't, certainly even, that, I don't that... really even know what the hell he's doing. And then, his, like, her editor shows up, and I'm just like, okay, so that's his thing? Yeah, so she has this editor named Max, and he's just naked. Like, And they address it at the beginning when he's first introduced, but I don't know if they were doing that for the movie. or that's if what, That's, that's if, what I mean. Or it's just Max is just... Like, I don't know if she thought it would be funny to just do that. Like, every time she goes over there to check in, and he's just naked. Well, that seems to be... You know, because I, I watched the, the, the staycation and the bad at dancing before I watched this, so I kind of have this idea of of i'm kind of um idea of her with the the deadpan comedy right right i'm like it's just the is this just like a really is this like a comedic bit yeah is this all part of the performance or there's max just doesn't like to wear clothes i don't i want to say no i mean everything about this and and if it is then that's great that that makes it better because Everything about this felt so authentic and so real to me that I just have a hard time believing that a lot of it, I mean, maybe some of it was performance, but I think that most of it was very genuine, especially like towards the end when she was having such a hard time with the relationship and kind of like breaking down and crying and stuff. And he just had his stupid fucking smug smirk on his face while she's completely losing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, I, I also think that it, it has to be addressed, the the sex scenes in this movie. <laughs> Which, even after watching Bad at Dancing, right, where, like you said, starts off with bang, it's just just right in the middle of a sex scene, right? And you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's this is how it's, it's, it's going to be, right? Even at the end of Bad at Dancing, I was kind of still surprised at the way that it ends. Right. And then even knowing that, going into this, you know, and you're even kind of, you have Max being naked throughout the entire time. And then we just, it happens at the end there where it's just like, oh, okay. Well, there's two scenes that happen. Yeah. That it's just, it's just like, wow, you're going to put that in there too. Jeez. It was certainly provocative, but I also found it to be 
somewhat disturbing for some reason. Like I was very disturbed. By it. And I like I don't care about sex in movies. I don't I don't No, I think I don't, dis- I don't dislike sex in movies. I don't love sex in movies. I'm I'm pretty indifferent about it. I feel like uh sex scenes in movies if they're warranted are perfectly fine. But there was just something so skeezy about the sex in this movie that I made think, me that made me feel very dirty. Well, the the thing for me too was it was because it's happening like towards the end, and she's kind of she's pretty much made the realization that okay, we should end this relationship, <clears throat> and she seems to be taking a little bit more of like you know taking the wheel of her life and everything. And you almost I, like well, at least for me, you know, I was kind of like rooting for. Her. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, yeah, okay, you're making you're making all the right steps here, and then to kind of like fall back in with them was like, ah, yeah, and I, and I think that showing that and making sure that you accurately portray that in the film, I think that that's an important thing because I think that that just it reinforces the fact that for some reason she just can't get over this guy, she can't let it go, and I think that many of us have been in relationships like that where we know that they're toxic, but for, for some some you know mystical force is keeping us with that that person keeping us together with that person and then when we're with that person even though we're trying to separate and go our separate ways and end it you know there's that you know attraction that just keeps bringing you back in making this the same you know setting you down the same path all over again and i think that it's important to to show that because yeah. i think that that's very common in relationships but I just don't know if you need to have the scene with him getting his dick out and then, you know, like having sex, like full on, full penetration sex. Maybe, <laughs> may, maybe yeah, show the, the beginning stages of it. But then again, then again, a big part of it was her showing that to her parents. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's like uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm so conflicted. Like, I don't I, like I. I appreciate that she made this movie and I think that it is a really interesting kind of case study, but I don't like, I, I wish I didn't watch it. <laughs> like, I, like I'd rather not watch. I like, I certainly won't recommend it for somebody to watch, but, I, but the scene involving the parents I thought was a really powerful scene. Yeah. I didn't I think, think I, 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 I was really struck by the, the kind of when she, um, she's able to kind of coax her mother back into, like, you know, there's only 15 minutes left. I yeah. to, you know, I've been working on this. Da, da, da. And, you know, she's able to get her back into the room. She watches the movie and she kind of comes out and says that I am disappointed or I am angry. And then you kind of see her work through that. But yeah, but it's and so then, funny. Be- and then get to the end of it and be like, you know what? I'm not. I'm yeah. Not that, see, that that was the kind of the most poignant thing about about that scene was that that how she did work that through in her mind where she was like, she immediately said, I'm disappointed. But then as she worked it out, she kind of retracted that. Now I, I'm, they did walk out during this right before the sex scene happened. I'm thankful that she to- at least gave them the heads up. That, that was about to occur. Yeah. But I think that she gave him a heads up like three seconds before. That pops out. <laughs> like as soon as the dick pops out, that's the cue. She's like, Oh, by the way, heads up. Yeah, and I think, and I, you know, I have no idea what's going through her mother's head at that time, that point in time. But <clears throat> kind of my my thinking of it too is at that point where, you know, she might be disappointed, or whatever. But I kind of think like my own life, 
you know, if someone did film, like, it's so easy for me to sit and watch and, you know, and judge and be like, well, James is a terrible person. You can clearly see this, right? But you don't know what, you know, at that, like you said, where it's, you don't know what is keeping them there. You know, maybe they don't see that at that, in those moments. You know, it's easy to look back and have like a record of it and be like, you know, you shouldn't have made these decisions or these bad choices, but we all do it. It's just, we don't have it on film for someone to show it to us. Yeah. You know, like a year later and be like, what the fuck were you doing, Kevin? Of course. I mean, this day, this day, look at you. Like I said, we've all, many of us have been in toxic relationships before that we should have backed out of, but for whatever reason didn't, that's just, that's part of growing up. That's part of life. Yeah. And I think, I think watching her, you know, do this, um, don't ever do that. Don't ever film your life. (laughs) Don't, don't. Or just so, do it. Just keep it to yourself. Just keep it with you. Yeah, because I don't even think I could handle that. Like if I, I couldn't do it. That's I'm just, I'm just surprised she was able to do this. Yeah. The thing, the thing about it, the the funny thing about the title is that I, I think I hate myself way too much to actually film myself for that period of time to film yeah. my own life. Like, oh god. Like I, I, like I. Mm-mm. Yeah. No way. No way. I could watch my life play out no. like that like i just i'd be like god you're such a fucking asshole god so stupid why did you say that why did you do that like why does your face look like that why did you get that for dinner you fucking idiot your posture's like, fucking terrible yeah, yeah I mean, like i can't even look at pictures of myself i can't even listen to this podcast I, unfortunately i have to listen to it to edit it but i don't yeah. listen i do not listen to it after it's published I'm, I'm i wash my hands of it after it's published yeah, actually like, anytime i hear my voice i'm just like oh god but you know I, th- I think it's probably similar to doing the podcast where at first like i remember when we first started this out five years ago the first few episodes that i edited i was just like oh my god i don't know how i can do this like this sounds so bad like hearing my own voice hearing the dumb shit that i say like off the cuff, you know, because you, you make mistakes too. Like you'll be in a thought, you know, your thoughts will be flowing out and you'll say something that's completely wrong. And you're just like, Oh my God, why did I say that? Like, what? like I meant to say this person, but I said this person and you do, and you make all these mistakes and you just, you hate the sound of your own voice. But I think that after a certain amount of time, you get used to it. Like now I don't mind it. I don't mind hearing my own voice. I don't mind editing the show. Get used to your mediocrity, but I but I feel like it would be the same thing with ha- seeing yourself on camera and editing yourself, or ha- having someone edit. You know, working with an editor editing you. I think it'd probably be the same. Like you'd grow to be more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Not me. Nope. <laughs> well, I you'll probably never find out, so it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. <laughs> I'm so thankful. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of like you too, where it's like. It's a really, really interesting film. It's a really interesting case study, uh, documentary. Uh, the, the honesty that's in it, you know, the the guts that it takes to do this. It's Absolutely. all extremely, it's all extremely commendable. But you're right. At the same time, I'm like, ah, one, I I can't watch it again. I mean, it's good, but I can't watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm never gonna be able to watch it again. Uh, two, I don't know if. I mean, there's 
there's a part of me it's like I I would I would suggest it to people because it is it's really it is extremely interesting and it is a compelling watch. But at the same time, it's like I don't know if I can. It's an odd predicament. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way with it. It's it's just yeah. I think that if anything, it shows that Joanna Arno has a bright future ahead of her. It seems like. I guess would be that she's completely comfortable with doing anything, just about. Yeah, she's like the next generation Lena Dunham. Probably more so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about Lena Dunham. Also, I know she says a lot of stupid shit, apparently. Yeah, she does. I mean, her personality is not anything like Lena Dunham's, uh, the characters that she portrays, at least. Her personality is wildly different, but there's there's some definitely some shades there especially with the the types of films and things so i I don't know we'll um we'll see i'll definitely be keeping an eye on her for sure like the next thing that she puts out i'll certainly give it a look uh i mean hopefully there's i have some sort of heads up if there's going to be a lot of uh unsimulated sex with a gross dude i have a feeling that this this, that's going to be a staple that seems to be like one of her things right you have it in bad dancing and you have it in I hate myself. So my guess is that might be For some reason bad at dancing it, it didn't gross me out nearly as well. Well you much. had that well you had the juxtaposition, that's why. And, and, yeah, and and I think I mean I don't, it did it really feel like they weren't really even moving. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean that was that was simulated. So for some reason it like it didn't bother me as much. But also because it wasn't like re, like they were portraying characters and it wasn't and well, like a uh, Yeah, and I was I'm hoping that it was simulated because no, I'm sure just, it was. There's just nothing going on there. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Uh, although, they, although they did get some pretty serious angles in there with it. Yeah, <laughs> where did they switch it? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <sighs> I like I like the way uh, I hate myself. Kind of I like the way it ended. I like this the the introduction the, the the song that came on at the end. I like that, but I didn't like the fact that it ended with like his erect penis popping out and like the, him getting ready to to sloppily mount her. It was like, oh, oh, how's that? He was like they were clothes too, didn't they? They were partially clothed, yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> uh, never done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's end that because uh, now, now that whole scene's like playing out in my head, and I'm just like, you know, I think I think sex is a beautiful thing, but I just I don't know. I'm just not that into. Sometimes it's just witnessing. It's just yeah. Uh, that's I hate myself. That is available on Vimeo for rental. So if you want to check it out, it's three ninety nine on there. So you can give it a give it a rent. Just be just be aware, be aware. I feel like it's one of those movies you can't unsee. Like I don't know. I just don't think I'm gonna be able to unsee that movie. There is a part of me that is now like I'm just all I can think of is like what's what's James doing now? I don't know. That's a, that's a good what question. Is, like I I I thought to myself after the movie, or maybe it was today when I was thinking about the movie, uh, do they still keep in touch? Are they still, are they back together perhaps? I mean, I hope not, but is he still running the open mic juice bar in Harlem? I, what a weird, what a weird little ecosystem he lives in. Yeah. 
It there's was, also I, I will also say there's a lot of n n bombs being dropped. Yeah, he loves the n word. He, he just loves that. He's that. He's being edgy. Yeah, being edgy. He's being so edgy. I do like how he points out that she's kind of doing the white liberal edginess too. Like when they after they watch the film, mm-hmm. and he kind of points out that what she's doing too. Yeah, that is true. Yep. All right. Let's move on and talk about someone we're watching on the watch list. This is going to segue into a topic I want to discuss this week. Bringing back, bringing back topic of the week. Uh, so I'll, I'll start off this week. I saw Tramps. Oh yeah, I forgot about Tramps. I wanted to see Tramps. Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, I think you'll definitely like it. The reason that I'm bringing up Tramps uh, is because IndieWire came out with an article this week uh, with a headline: Indie. Netflix keeps buying great movies, so it's a shame they're getting buried. And then the like the the subtitle of that is uh, the subheading is is a movie still a movie if it premieres on Netflix? And basically, this is an article written by David Ehrlich, who uh, I, I like a lot of uh, David Ehrlich's reviews. Actually, I see a lot of his stuff pop up on Letterboxd, and I I agree with a lot of what he says. Okay, in in reviews at least. Uh, and I sort of agree with what he's saying in this in this article, which basically talks about Tramps and how it was picked up by Netflix for $2 million, but the problem is nobody's going to see it, or not enough people will see it, and not enough people will see it the way that it should be seen, as in, in a theater. Nobody's going to appreciate it as much because it's on Netflix. People are going to put put it on and leave it on in the background, or they're going to pause it 50 times, or they're going to start it and stop it a bunch of times, and they're going to be having all kinds of distractions in their home while they're watching it, or they're not going to see it at all because they don't know it exists, because Netflix is terrible in some aspects that we'll get into. So mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk about was the idea of original films being on Netflix, and if that's a good thing... And if it's not a good thing, what can be done to rectify that, if anything? We have movies like um, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. That, that, that came out on Netflix, and I thought that movie was pretty great. Most of the movies that have been coming out on Netflix as of up until recently, I would say, have been mediocre at best. Like They're just like, they're okay, they're not great. Some really good documentaries have been coming out straight, straight to Netflix, but their, their feature films, their narratives, have been average. They haven't been anything great. But what's starting to happen is a lot of these kind of indies, these kind of mid-tier indies have been popping up on Netflix. And I think that a lot of these movies do um, deserve attention. And I think that they're not getting enough attention on Netflix. And that, that's sort of what this article gets into. And I think that we've even talked about this before on the show. Um, so I wanted to get your take, Kevin, first, before we kind of dive into a little bit deeper. What, what do you think, how do you feel about these original movies popping up on Netflix? Did you, did you even know that Tramps came out this weekend? I did, but I, I did kind of forget about it a little bit, but at the same time, I didn't get on Netflix this week. And I think so that I that's part of the problem. It. That's part of the problem is that, you know, Tramps came out on Netflix. I knew that it was coming on net, coming out on Netflix because I actually keep up with it. If I didn't, like, if I didn't keep up with what was, like, what movies were coming to Netflix, I, I would have no idea. Because I go into net, my Netflix, Tramps is nowhere to be seen. I actually have to search for it in the search bar for it to show up. Yeah, that's the 
that's the number one problem that they have. They do not do a good job of that. They've gotten a little bit better because they do now have the, when they add stuff, they have a page that it'll be like, we added 57 new titles. And you can just click on it and it shows you exactly what they added that day, which is something that we've been complaining about for years. Well, they, they haven't done that because <clears> I watch it. I watch Netflix on my on my TV with my Apple TV, and maybe they'll add that in an update. But as of right now, mine has recently released, recently added, and then like recommended for you. Like yeah. my list, like my watch list, is way down. Like the yeah, list, it's like and they seem to they seem to move that around all the time. But as for the these films coming out on Netflix, uh, I think it's a good thing. I don't know, but, you know, I have no idea what impact it's going to have down the road but again i'm looking at it from a person that lives in small town america which a lot of people live in right so the chance to get to see these movies you know okay let's say tramps has a a theatrical run it's only going to play on the two coasts okay right and none of us are going to have a chance to see it so great you guys get to see it in a theater wonderful for you but there's so there's this huge population that just doesn't get to see it well my argument to that and and i totally see where you're coming from and i agree to a certain extent but my argument to that is why can't you have a movie that comes out day and date in theaters in select cities you know the major cities and on vod because then the money that's that the yeah. is going yeah. directly to, you know, the, the filmmakers and you still have that theatrical release to my knowledge, any movie that goes to Netflix, that's only where it's going to, it's only going to be on Netflix. It's not going to be in theaters. It's only going to be on Netflix. And I think yeah. that's, that's kind of a problem. And I, and I don't really know how the logistics and the money uh, situation works with Netflix for what I'm reading here in the article uh, as an example, Tramps sold for $2 million on Netflix. So rather than, I think what's happening is a lot of these indie filmmakers are, they're getting offers, you know, Tramps plays, uh, I think it played South by Southwest. So Tramps plays South by Southwest, Netflix sees it, they say, hey, we, we want this, we'll give you $2 million. And a lot of these indie filmmakers are like, yes, please. Because uh, as an example, Give Me the Loot, uh, the director's last film, which we loved, incidentally, grossed $104,000. Yeah. So it seems like a kind of a no-brainer. Plus, there is a, there is that exposure. Like Netflix is a wildly popular service. I'm sure that there's some sort of statistic that show how many people in, in America have Netflix, but I'm sure that it's a huge uh, percentage of people in this country subscribe to Netflix. So you're, you know your movie is going to get out there. I don't know if there's like residuals that you would also get on top of what it's sold for. So I think it's a little bit of a, a double-edged sword in a lot of ways, because I think I do agree with David Ehrlich that you have these really great movies like Tramps coming out that they're not really getting that much, that many accolades and that much fanfare because they're coming out on Netflix. Now, I don't know if that's an, a problem with Netflix or if that's a problem with how the the industry and the media within our industry treats these movies because you don't see like major outlets. uh, I mean, you see some, but you don't see a lot of major outlets reviewing these as if they were a a new release in theaters. 
they're not getting as much coverage. And I would be willing to bet that come awards time, none of these Netflix movies, no matter how great they are, get considered. I think that they'll probably be considered for Golden Globes because they would probably be considered TV, like TV movies. But you're not, you're not, you're not going to see any of these get nominated for Oscars, no matter how good they okay. are. I think you, I think you'll see that change in the next. I, I'm years. hoping. I'm absolutely. I'm hoping. But I'm saying right now, that's not how you know the the, the landscape got, is. Didn't uh, I think some? And I'm not sure how many, but a couple of Netflix movies made it into Cannes this year. So. You have that happening. Yeah, and they're getting bigger and bigger. I mean, that's that's what's happening. You're you're seeing these Netflix the originals getting larger in scale, and Netflix has they have a lot of money to throw around. Yeah, and it seems like they're they're buying all of them too now. Oh yeah, you. I mean, I'm I'm attending Tribeca as we speak, and there's tons of Netflix stuff here at Tribeca. So there's uh, it, it they're definitely becoming a media juggernaut when it comes to these movies. Yeah. And I just, I hope that the movies get the treatment that they deserve uh, as far as exposure, because you have some of these movies that they come out on Netflix and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that that was out today. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that this movie was coming out on Netflix. And it's like, I'm somebody who works within this ecosystem. And if I don't know that tramps came out this weekend, then Probably it's a safe bet to say that a lot of people, most people don't know. And most people probably don't even know what that movie is. So I feel like that there needs to be a marketing push behind these movies too. I don't think that Netflix can just put it out on their service and expect people to find it. You know what I mean? You might be surprised though. Because them putting it out on Netflix has, you just had a, a larger number of people know that that film exists. Just from, you know, people that aren't, big time movie watchers Maybe. you know that follow everything they get on their netflix app you know pulled up on their playstation 4 or whatever and it's boom trends. maybe, maybe. Like, oh, if it if it, it if it shows up on their you know front page on if it shows up on their home page and didn't get buried somewhere up random like because i didn't like i said it wasn't even listed on my recently added or anything i had to search for it for it to even show up so yeah. it's like I just I feel like that they need to have a bigger push behind these like, you know, and they do have a a bigger push on some of them. Like I'm seeing like I was in Times Square today and there was a giant video ad for Sandy Wexler in Times Square. So, you know, some of these movies, they do put some marketing dollars behind them and get the name out there, but not not a lot of them. I mean, only the really big ones that they want to push yeah. and these these smaller indie titles they don't i feel like that they just they don't do enough for them and that could change because this is all still kind of a new you know it's new media but yeah i don't know i just i want to see more from netflix if they're going to start putting movies like this out there i'm really hoping that they support them and support the filmmakers who make these movies because getting back into the watch list talking about tramps i thought it was fantastic great movie Looking forward to this one. Yeah, I think you'll like it a lot. And um, it's basically about a um, a guy. Was, I gotta say, I was kind of reading that uh, that IndieWire article, and he kind of talks about the film a little bit. I was kind of like, it sounds like Give Me the Loot. It, it yeah, I mean, it's it is sort of a a heist situation in a, in a lot of ways. Basically, it's about a guy who 
His brother ends up in jail, and he has to take his place in doing this kind of strange pickup thing where he has to get in a car with a girl. They go to a location, which is at a subway stop, and he has to put a bag down and pick up a briefcase from somebody dropping it off and then take it back to a location. But the problem is he, his only instructions are it's going to be a girl sitting on the platform with a green bag, and there's going to be a bag sitting uh, on the on the floor beside her. Well, it turned out that there were two girls with green bags and bags sitting. So he grabs the wrong one. And the 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 bulk of the film is him and this girl who was acting as the driver trying to track down the woman who had the bag that they needed. <laughs> You'll like it. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I didn't watch anything else. So oh. there you go. Okay. Yeah. That'll make it easy. Uh, I've been at Tribeca, so I really haven't seen anything else. Um, yeah, I can I can talk about the endless. I'm not. So I saw the new Justin Benson Aaron Moorhead movie. Uh, I have a review up for this. I gave it a nine out of ten. Now maybe that has a little bit of a festival bump, but as of right now, uh, I was pretty blown away by this movie. Uh, if you're not familiar, there are the guys that did Resolution which I was a huge fan of. It was like on my top 10 that year. And then they did Spring a couple of years ago, and it was on my top 10 then too. And their new movie, I think, is better than both of those. They've, I feel like the, these guys are maturing as filmmakers to such a high level that I'm telling you right now, they're, after this movie comes out, and I don't think it has a distributor yet, but I'm absolutely 100% sure that it's going to get picked up at Tribeca. Uh, after this movie comes out, they're going to get huge offers. Huge. Guaranteed. These guys are going to do amazing things. Because this movie, I mean, I, I loved Spring. I thought it was incredible. But it's like they're, with each movie, this is only their third movie. And I feel like that they've refined their craft to such a point where it's just like, holy shit, this movie is incredible. Uh, the only thing I'll say about it is it's, it's about two brothers who were in a cult that get a mysterious tape in the mail and end Shush. up going back to that cult. Shush. That's all I'll say. Uh, go into it. Go into it completely cold. Do not uh, look at any trailers or anything. We released a clip on the site, actually. That clip is safe to watch. I can tell you that. Okay. The, clip, the clip does, it's very short. Uh, it really doesn't give, it, it doesn't give anything in the plot away. There's almost no dialogue. It doesn't give any context to what's going on. So I think that the clip is safe to watch and it gives you an idea of sort of the mood of the movie, maybe the ominous tone that the movie has. So I'd say that the clip is safe to watch, but as far as like reviews and stuff, I'd stay far away. If you can avoid trailers, whenever trailers start to pop up for it, stay away, just go into it completely cold because it is, it is a, an incredible just, experience. I think what Adam's trying to say is burn all your devices. <laughs> media media blackout. Just start the media blackout now until it comes out. Hopefully someone will let you know when, when it comes out and then go see it and then you can buy all new devices. That, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But as of right now, just burn all of them. That's, that is correct, yeah. Uh, the other stuff <clears throat> I'll save for probably next week and I'll kind of give a wrap-up of the stuff I liked and the stuff I didn't like so far. I'll say I saw 
six films maybe uh i've pretty much liked everything so far okay so it's it's been a it's been a good festival so far but i'm just starting like uh, i've just started going to screenings uh i went to a couple pre-fest screenings and then the next this this whole next week i'll be doing nothing but festival stuff so if you're in new york and attending tribeca hit me up on twitter and we'll uh meet up and we can chat do some podcasting or something Talk about what you liked and what you didn't like and all that stuff. So he's looking for a replacement. <laughs> Kevin, I didn't want to do it on the show. But I found out. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's this isn't working out. Uh, it's just it's time to time to call it. <laughs> Let's talk about what's coming out next week in theaters. We got the circle. Yeah. I'll uh-huh. be seeing this at Tribeca. I'm not uh, uh yeah. I don't know. What do you th- what do you think about this? This is the one with Tom Hanks and uh Emma Emma Watson. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably not gonna It's about the guy did Smash. You're you you're you're a big fan of Smashed. Oh, it's the guy that did Smashed? Yeah. James uh, James Ponsolt. Smash was pretty good. He also did the Spectacular Now and the end uh, of the yeah, tour. No nope, no thanks. <laughs> this is a yeah. sci fi movie by him. Yeah. It's kind of uh, a yeah. departure. Nope. Thank you. I'll be checking it out. I'll report on that back on that next week. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Bang the Burt Burns story. I think that's a rock doc. Obit. That's a uh, documentary about the. I think it's the New York Times obituary. Something like that. Okay. Got How to Be a Latin Lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not not too interested in that. Slight. That's the magic one. Stay tuned yeah. for uh, Ryan watches a movie this week where we'll be talking more about this. I'm interested. Uh, below her mouth. What? What now? Below her mouth. It's Wait, a. Uh, say, the, say the first word again. Below. Okay. The first two <laughs> times I, I thought. Below. Said... <laughs> yeah. Below her mouth. Uh, it's a love story, I believe. Thanks. Romance doesn't doesn't look great to me. It looks. It actually sort of looks like a uh, blue is the warmest color ripoff. Mm. I apologize if it's not, but that's what it looks like. Rupture. This is by the guy that did Secretary. Uh, okay. Sort of a body horror film with new me for pace. Interesting. Yeah, I'll be I'll be giving this one a look if I have time. Buster's Mal Hart. This is one that that I was scheduled to go see at Tribeca at a pre-screening, but I missed it. And I'm mm. hoping that I can now squeeze in another time for this. I'm very interested in this one. Have you seen anything about this? With uh, I have not. I just know that it has a terrible title. It, right. it does. It does have a terrible title, but uh, I, I would say look at the check out the synopsis on this one. I think you'll be interested. It stars uh, Rami Malek from Mr. Robot. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. It looks. It looks kind of weird, and I'm definitely into it. Voice from the Stone. Not too familiar with that. Mm. Mm-hmm. A dark song. Harold and Lily in a Hollywood love story. One week in a day. Heard that was good. L.A. '92. It's a documentary about the uh, L.A. riots, I believe. I'm interested in that. The Black Room. Never heard of it. Seven Witches. Another witch movie. Black Rose. Gray Lady. (laughs) Danger Close. That sounds like you're just making them up. I know. I was going to say, these are all real movies that I'm (laughs) listing out right now. American. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. American Wrestler The Wizard comes out on May 3rd. So, All right. I'd say check out Slight, definitely. That looks interesting. The Circle, I'm not sure how I feel about that one yet. But yeah. Let's see what we got on VOD next week. 
On the 25th, we have Nola Circus. It's a uh, documentary. Of, or no, it's, I'm sorry. It's not a documentary. It's a comedy about a hair salon, I think, in New Orleans. Okay. And then on April 28th, we have Voice from the Stone and Below Below Her Mouth. Yeah, come on. Enunciate. I'm trying. Damn. I'm trying. All right. I'm sorry that me saying blow and below sounds, sounds similar. Exactly the same. Sounds exactly the same. Oh, well, I'll have to work on that. Okay. I'll add that to my list of uh, voice lessons. There you go. Next week on Blu ray, this is for Tuesday, April 25th. We have Psycho Cop Returns from 1993. I've never seen any of the Psycho Cop movies, but uh, I, I, I want to check them out. You got to rectify that. Yeah. I think, is this one on Arrow? No, it's Vinegar Syndrome. That's right. Vinegar Syndrome. They put out the first one on Blu-ray as well. So, uh, yeah, I want to look into that. Microcosmos from 1996 is getting a Blu-ray release. The Screaming Skull from 1958. Mm-hmm. The uh, Exterminator 2 from 1984. I saw Exterminator 1. I cannot remember if I saw Exterminator 2. I think I did. Mm. Shout Factory is putting that out on uh, Blu-ray. So that's, that's pretty cool. I, I like the first one. The Girl with All the Gifts comes out. We reviewed that on the show a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We enjoyed that. Indeed. Uh, Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster from 1959. Arrow is putting that out. Underworld Blood Wars. It's that new Underworld movie that I heard was not too good. It looks terrible. Yeah. Did not hear good things. Yeah. La La Land. Ugh. <laughs> uh, Lord. Let's see what else we got here. Double Exposure from 1983. Okay. One Punch Man, season yes. one. Now, this is... I always I always joke about how many anime releases get are on this list every week. This is an anime that I am very interested in. Uh, it's on Netflix. I watched the first episode, and it was incredible. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be sticking with it. It's about a superhero who is so powerful that one punch literally ends any enemy that he comes up against. And be- and because of that, he is so bored with his life that he just feels like he has no reason to live. Like, he just lives in utter boredom all the time. Oh, man. Poor so it's a, it's a comedy. I'm... I'm uh I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching that one because it's it's pretty interesting. Catfight, that's the uh, owner Tuchel one that we reviewed a few weeks ago. I'd say check that one out. Yeah, that's an all right. Yeah, uh, American Anarchist. This is a documentary about the author of the Anarchist Cookbook. I didn't talk about this one on the show, but I saw it a few weeks ago when it first hit VOD in theaters. Uh, slightly interesting, although also slightly frustrating because the guy who wrote the anarchist cookbook like he he outwardly says that he regrets writing it and stuff but he's so oblivious to the impact that that book has caused that it's just it's just frustrating you're like how naive are you guy you don't realize all this stuff and there's there's one scene in the movie where the the filmmaker actually confronts him with how many uh, terrorist attacks and mass shootings and things were uh, not attributed to his book, but loosely associated. Like they found the book, you know, in yeah. the killer's room or whatever. And I don't know. It's still a slightly interesting uh, watch, regardless. Sing is coming out, and the Secret Life of Pets. I, I don't know 
Okay, so Secret Life of Pets and Despicable Me Three are coming out in like a double pack. So they must that they've already Ooh. come out. <laughs> I think Sing maybe is new. Yeah, that's new. Uh, what do we got on the old Criterion front next week? We got two '80s movies. One is Tampopo. Tampopo. Nineteen eighty-five on the a quest for the perfect ramen. I've heard so many great things about this movie, so I'm pretty excited that it's finally finally being released. And then the other one is Francis Ford Coppola's Rumblefish. This was such an interesting movie, Rumblefish. I I didn't see this movie until many many years later. In fact, I think it was like maybe five years ago I saw it for the first time, and I didn't know anything about it honestly. And it's it's very odd. It's a very odd movie. I'd recommend I'd recommend checking it out. Yeah. Will. All right. I think that that is going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, FilmPulseNet and FilmPulseKevin. If you have any questions or topics, you can send us an email, podcast at FilmPulse.net. Uh, if you want to take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash FilmPulse, consider helping us out. Costs just a dollar a month, and you'll be helping us tremendously. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Bye.